Hello. Welcome to another episode of The Night Party, where we leave it all on the cutting room floor. I, of course, am your host, Zach Evergreen. Uh, you could find me at Zach Evergreen on Twitter, and I'm pretty sure on Instagram, too. I don't know, even know what my Instagram handle is. I had it forever, and I, I just, you know, basically just follow a bunch of goth chicks. That's, that's what the Instagram is for, right? Or putting up, oh, yeah, and, and black cats and elephant videos. Because they're, they're adorable. They're so cute. They're such a good girl and a good boy. It's <laughs> my uh, Letter Kenny reference of the day. Now I just have to work in a Seinfeld reference and then I'll have the uh, trifecta. And I need to actually take better. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I sometimes misspeak uh, because I am a shitty, shitty speller. And I can't read and uh, talk very well at the same time. I, I was that kid in your class that was really good at math and science. Like I could do long division in my head, especially if it's divisible by three. Cause if you get everything from one, two and three, you basically can divide anything because every other order is like a square root of such. Right. Um, except for seven, sevens always fuck me up. Sevens suck. I don't like them. And five is easy. Cause you just basically half it. You know, why am I talking about math? Um, so I got some feedback already, which I'm very happy. Remember I told you, construct, uh, construct, see, there we go. Construct, constructive criticism is the best tool in my, my arsenal. As I mentioned before, I thought it was uh, quite cute. I said it's my angel wings, which came out of nowhere. That just popped in my head. I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. So s- keep sending those feathers. So uh, here was the, con- uh, the criticism. My episodes are a bit long. Um, I guess the average podcast nowadays runs about an hour. Uh, but, you know, I grew up on Corolla and, uh, well, they grew up. I was an adult, but you know, they're the kind of the ones that started with Corolla and Rogan. Rogan's go for like three hours. I don't know if they still do. I stopped listening when he didn't have comics on and just got all like political and shit. And that's the last thing I want. If I want to hear politics, I'll go to Bill Maher or Ben Shapiro because I'm very purple. and I want to hear both sides to every story. Um, I just, I think if you're on a team, you're very rah, 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 and you will overlook your team's mistakes and, you know, just concentrate on their, their truths, you know, and, and let's put it this way. 90% of politics is all bullshit. I just kind of like to see, you know, what's going on. I like to be a little bit informed. All right. So yeah, I'm going to divide the episodes now. Um, there's going to be. This part of the episode, which is the making of some behind the scenes, and then I'm going to do another one where I review the whole movie, and so that way I can chop them up in little parts, and also have intros like this where I get to kind of babble on and just kind of say what's on my mind. And uh, the other one was uh, he said, and it would be nice if you put a music bed under it. So here we go. Oh, and I'm also going to show the trailer. I uh, or, or play the trailer. I know the trailer for this is quite annoying, but um, it was the actual trailer. So if you guys turned it off and thought like there was a mechanical error in my Zoom, that actually, no, that is the real trailer. Uh, the trailer is really cool. It, it really does set up the movie. Some trailers give out too much information, especially nowadays. If you see like a rom-com or something, they basically show you the whole movie. I, that's like a running joke, but it's 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 a flat fact. Back then, they were a little bit more vague, so uh, and they didn't spell stuff out to you. And you notice there's not one line said in that trailer. And that's actually why I like it. It's very claustrophobic. Um, the egg does not even match, though. I I don't know if they did that 
and post or pre or what. Um, I wonder if directing trailers is a cool job. You know, I bet it would be, but I don't know. I, I think I would I would mess it up because I, I would probably purposefully try to throw people a little bit. You know, instead of showing like, because uh, most trailers are what, like act two? Scenes from act two, that is. Mm. Fun fact about this movie. There's four acts. Um, there's uh, act one on uh, LV-426. There's act two where it's mainly on the ship. There is uh, act three, which is, um, you know, them trying to get the hell off the ship. And then an act four was actually added uh, by Ridley Scott. It was not actually supposed to be in the movie whatsoever. And uh, Ridley Scott wanted uh, Ridley to die in this, in Act 4 on the uh, on the lifeboat. Um, he wanted uh, her to, you know, be all, be all vulnerable in her gravity-defying underwear and uh, petting the cat and doing her last transmission and then just, like... Have the alien just kind of be in the background, and you know he he bites her head off basically. Uh, and uh oh, drinking game. I said basically. All right, I'm not going to try to punish my liver that much today, so I'm going to stay a word way from that word. All right. Uh, yeah, there's four acts, and there was no Jonesy the cat, so Jonesy the cat was added in to facilitate Act Four. Because Ripley does something very, very dumb in the movie and basically gets two crew members killed over a cat. Okay, so uh, this movie stars... Oh, first off, uh, it was written by Dan O'Brien, who was broke and homeless at the point. And this seems to be a reoccurring theme in the movies I'm choosing. Um, So uh, uh, him and James Cameron were both broke. um, And uh, I don't know if... Oh, and fun fact, James Cameron directs Aliens, which is going to come, but not for a while. I'm going to let that one sit because that's going to be a banger. I love that movie. I have the extended cut, too, and it's it's like really long. It's I think it's like two hours and 20 minutes, and uh, it has some really cool stuff that they left out of the theatrical, and uh, James Cameron does this a lot. He, obviously, I have a boner for this fellow, and the Terminator 2 uncut one. There is scenes in that movie that they cut out that make the movie look make so much more sense, and I wish they would have kept them in. But uh, you know what? We can't we can't have it all, can we? That movie was uh, I think it was pretty long anyway. The theatrical cut, but we're not reviewing that movie today. So yes, uh, he wrote this script, and he uh, was shopping it around, and twenty four or yeah, twentieth uh, Century Fox saw the script. And with the success of <laughs> Star Wars, uh, did you? They needed a space movie. Did you like that episode? I know I was trolling you guys on it. Those are my true feelings about that movie. And um, yeah, I, I hate Star Wars with a passion. That being said, a broken clock is right once a you know once a day, or twice a day if if it's not military time. So if you would like. Down the line, I will do Empire Strikes Back. Because I actually enjoyed that movie. It's actually quite good. In a nutshell, if that was if that was the only Star Wars movie I ever saw, I would probably have a great affinity for Star Wars. But I don't. 
because everything. Ugh, I just let's not get into it. I'm done with that movie. Let's just put that to bed. Um, oh, before I get into this, some of the other feedback. Uh, besides, my episode's too long, and I should put a music bed, and I should split the episodes one and two. Um, I'm going to release this, and then three days later, the actual movie. Because remember, I was talking about. Uh, I was talking about that I want to do two a week. So I'm going to do one every three days. And um, I'm probably going to gang tape them and release them as such. But I also got some some movie recommendations. So I'll go ahead and share those with you right now. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust, 1980. Okay, admittedly, I have never seen this movie. I've seen, see, I thought I did, but it, I saw a remake of it. And uh, it's... And the remake was pretty gruesome. And if this was a 1980 film, I guarantee this is probably going to be even more gruesome because in the 80s, we loved our blood, our gore, and our titties. And that's how I was raised, and that's what I love. Give me that blood, gore, and titties. So let that sit for a minute. Just bathe in my toxic masculinity of liking slasher films. I mean, there is a survivor girl in every single one. So, you know, you kind of like, it's not really that, it's not really that toxic masculinity. But. All right, back to the movie. Dan O'Brien. Um, he was actually kind of an asshole. His parents had a, like, kind of uh, roadside circus thing going on. Uh, where they had like a tilted room. His father even faked a UFO landing. And uh, I mean, that's kind of cool. But uh, he was a Nazi sympathizer. In fact, I saw a drawing that he did and it's about 30 different kinds of swastikas that he thought were cooler than the original, which um, that's not good. I, I wouldn't draw that. I mean, I know hieroglyphics in Egypt had it because it means eternal life. And I think Buddhists use it too. But... Okay, I will say this about the Nazis. They were snazzy dressers. Every time I watch Inglorious Bastards, I'm like, dude, the costumes in that movie are fantastic. And they're realistic too. Uh, but yeah, you know, black leather and skulls. I mean, that's pretty cool. Obvi clearly, they were the villains of World War II, right? I mean, come on. They're dressed like fucking heels. They're dressed like if The Undertaker was militant. Um, you know, yeah, so snazzy dressers, that's all I'm going to give him. But yeah, apparently he was a sympathizer. He did not like people. He was very reclusive. Um, I don't know how he was able to couch surf, um, but uh, he was. Let's go into this. Uh, who else is in this movie? So directed by Ridley Scott, uh, the cast and crew. You have Tom Skerritt as Dallas, who is the ship's captain. Sigourney Weaver um, is Ripley, of course. Harry Dean Stratton is Brett, who's a super underrated character actor. If you haven't seen Repo Man, and I'm not talking about the one with organs, I'm talking about the one with Emilio Estavez in his uh, prime, go see that movie. That movie's fantastic. I'm definitely going to re uh, review it. Um, in fact, I forgot all about it until I started uh, uh, researching this movie. Forgot all about it. I, it's, I used to watch that movie every day, which is hilarious. That and Lost Boys and like were my favorite when I was uh, in my early 20s, late teens. Um, it stars John Hurt, who plays Kane, who is the baby daddy of our uh, of our monster, of, of Alien. 
Uh, we have Veronica Cartwright, who's the most annoying person ever to hit the silver screen. Um, when I used to watch this with my Nana, she'd be like, I wish she would die first. I'd hate her. And she does do a bit of screaming, moping, wobbling. But the only good thing about her is she makes, uh, she makes Ripley look a lot stronger, a lot more independent, more badass. In fact, I think that the most badass chicks in cinema are uh, Scorny Weaver and then a close second would probably be um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Just because when they do shit in movies, I don't think, oh, this is just fan service because girl power and all this other bullshit. I'm like, nope, they're believable. They're super believable. Um, and honorable mention to the girl who's in the Evil Dead remake. Uh, that's, not, that's not a retro movie. I will not be reviewing that unless it's 20 years in the future and I'm still doing this, which I hope to be. Shit, I'll be 60. Wow. Just around the corner, too, man. All right, who else has got? Oh, Ian Holm. Uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, think Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins. Um, that's a shout out to uh, if you know about that album that uh, Leonard Nimoy released. Um, and uh, he is the science officer. Spoiler alert, he's also a synthetic. And I'll get into that when I actually review the movie. Um, now, you know what sucks is the documentary I watched, which I, by the way, I recommend do not watch it. It's called Memory, the Origin of Alien. Don't watch it. Uh, they actually leave out Yafet Kato, who plays Parker, who's one of the most important characters in this movie. I mean, he's, he's the only male in this that actually has a fighting chance and actually does save the day, um in uh, uh, mid-act three, like big time. You know, if it, his character's super important, and they left him out. And I don't think it's because he was a black dude, uh, but uh, they, they did leave him out of the documentary, which kind of pissed me off. I said, my dude, Parker, like, Parker's one of the coolest characters in the movie. And finally, and I apologize if I butcher his name, is Balavi Badivo, B-O-L-A-J-I-B-A-D-E-J-O. And just like the Predator, we're going to be doing the Predator. I'm just waiting for my guests to clear up. Uh, that's going to be awesome. That's probably going to be episode um, uh, the next episode after this. Um, I have a really good guest, and it's his favorite movie. And like I said, it's in my my Mount Rushmore movies. Would be uh, you know RoboCop, Terminator, Alien, in no particular order. And I don't know what number four would be. I never actually thought of that, but I like thinking in three. So that would be that would be my three. Um, let's see. So yeah, he plays the alien, and he was huge. He was six foot nine. Now Kevin Peter Hall, who played the predator, was seven foot two. Like he makes Arnold look like a child. And but but we're not talking about Predator yet. So, uh, yeah, this guy fit in the costume, and he looks menacing. Now, most of the time, you see the xenomorph, like, crouched over. There's only one scene where he's really walking, and uh, uh, he looks huge. It's funny, by the way, because in this scene, it looks like he's on a goddamn, like, uh, escalator. You know, like the people mover at the, um, at the airport. And uh, so this suit was quite confining. It didn't really let him move around. If you actually watch Aliens, they took off a lot of the, the equipment. And the aliens are a lot smaller because they were all done by gymnasts. That's why they're able to, uh, you know, flip around and come out of nowhere. And then we have Jonesy the Cat, who was a last-minute addition. 
So there's only eight people on the screen. All right. So uh, I think I did mention, but if I didn't, I'll just throw this back out there. Um, it got a 98% Rotten Tomato score. Um, early on, people did not like it because they wanted cute, fuzzy aliens with dark eyes and uh, gray skin and, you know, like um, like a, a E.T. But yeah, 20th Century Fox really wanted a script about space. So uh, they it got picked up and, you know, Dan O'Brien was able to get in a shitty apartment, I suppose. Uh, let's see... Uh, May 25th, 1979, it released to a $81 million box office, which is pretty awesome. Uh, today's standards, that's 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 huge, right? Uh, more people went and saw movies in the theaters, though, because there was no like home film, and they didn't show movies on TV back then. So I don't know if that's kind of more modest, but uh, it seems pretty high to me. And the studio was pretty happy with it. They weren't happy with the original script, which, by the way, was called, and I'm not lying, Star Beast. And then when 20th Century Fox looked over it, they're like, you know, the word alien is in the script is used more than anything. And it's very vague. And it's very kind of like, I'm not going to say blank, but like just black. Like it's just, there it is. You know, think about if you had the screenplay on your table and it's just all white, you know, uh, uh, front cover and it just says the word alien on it. You're going to go, whoa, what's this? You know, if it says Star Beast, you're going to go, okay, Plan 9 from Outer Space. That was another recommendation, but I don't know if I'm going to do that for a while because that movie is just so bad. Pull the string. Pull the string. I'll have to do it eventually. Pull the string. So, uh, Bella Lugosi's still undead. Um, oh, yes, the art and the concept was all by H.R. Geiger. Now, uh, the gentleman that was supposed to do, well, the concept drawings were all from the failed Dune movie, which is just a, a psychedelic acid trip. And I saw, there's very little clips you could find of that online, but it's very weird. But all the art on it is very colorful. Everything kind of looks like it's made out of Legos. But the original Alien actually looks something more like The Thing or uh, The Fly. It, it, it was really hairy and insect Look, not that this isn't insecty looking, but uh, yeah, very much more like the thing. Or, or, like they had like, or you know, they had like kind of like insecting noses and and black eyes with little, you know, how like a fly's eyes is is it looks like a, a D if you play Dungeons and Dragons a D twenty, um, and it's all kind of like brown and shit and and had like two little pincers and I don't know, it looks like it looks like a terrifying Pokemon. It doesn't really look like a, a very scary thing. Now, if it was giant, maybe. Because, I mean, think about this. Giant insects are fucking terrifying. H.R. Um, Geiger is a pervert when it comes to his art, and that's why I love the man. Um, everything in this movie is either phallic or yonic or something in between. For instance, the spaceship is very yonic. Everything looks like a vagina in it. Like, all the hallways look vaginal. Um, of course, there's eggs there. Uh, but then you see a bunch of phallic imagery, like, for instance, the chest buster busting out, um, the uh, uh, the face hugger, its its little tube where it incubates the the embryo inside your body, is a uh, very vaginal looking, uh, but it does have a phallic thing that comes out of it. The alien's head looks like a dong. Uh, <laughs> I never. I never thought I'd use that combination of words. 
the alien's head looks like a dong. It has like a, a second pair of mandibles, like a retractable uh, mouth that comes out, which is used to like, you know, puncture skulls and shit. And uh, yeah, he doesn't even have eyes, which even makes it more like kind of phallic. So the whole head is just a cigar kind of shape, but it's curved. And it in this movie, there's not you don't really know how it sees or senses because the head is just blank and silk. It's like just, you know, flat and smooth. Um, and fun fact, speaking of vaginas and wieners, uh, the reason for the, all the slime on the alien's costume is actually for real KY jelly. All of it is. And apparently the, uh, the gentleman who did the makeup for the monster was, in fact, a, uh, a homosexual gentleman. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Boom! Oh, dude, that's my Seinfeld right there. Boom! Man! Yes! I got it! Whew. It's fantastic. All right, so H.R. Uh, Geiger designed the alien and, and uh, uh, the uh, star jockey, which if you don't know, that's that giant thing that you see in the main chamber and... Uh, in fact, fun fact about that, that main chamber and the egg room are exactly the same room. They just had to get rid of the star jockey after filming and then put in the eggs because um, they the sets, you know, that's the biggest set they had. And they um, they already had it all dressed up with uh, Geiger stuff. So they're just like, cool, uh, just change it over. So the star jockey is in Prometheus and all that other stuff, uh, which that movie is garbage. That's the worst thing Ridley Scott ever... I don't know it's the worst thing. I haven't seen all of his movies, but it's pretty fucking terrible. It's a terrible movie. Oh, you know what? I just got a good idea. When I review Dracula, I should drink Francis Ford Coppola's wine. That would be fun. I could do a review on his wine as well. That, You know what? I'm going to do that. I'm definitely going to do that. I speak so tangentically. I know. I apologize. Um. So, yeah. Um... This movie is essentially about rape. Like I said, rape is never funny. Um, if you're sensitive to it, sorry about that. But that's what it's about. It's about raping a man. And the idea is that this thing does not discriminate. And uh, fun fact about it, too, is all the cast was supposed to be unisexed. So meaning they never say in the movie... Or sorry, in the script, like Ripley is a strong woman who's blah, 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 blah. It just says Ripley. Like it never describes them at all in the script. And the reason for is for casting, they wanted just the best person for the job, which I think is fantastic. I think not only in in hiring people for the workforce, but also casting in movies, you know, I don't want to see like get out and it's required that an african-american gentleman plays the heavy uh you know it could have been anybody i mean think about this like get out is basically deliverance but without the butt stuff so i mean right isn't it i don't know squeal like a pig if you're pissed off at me i hope you're i hope everyone listening doesn't cancel me i know i say a lot of controversial stuff but it's supposed to be in mirth humor and jolliness so, uh, yeah, uh, essentially the alien, uh, its first form, you know, rapes you orally, plants a seed down your belly, and as it gestates and grows, it pops out, 
And then it scurries away and becomes a big alien. Um, the breakfast scene. Ooh, the breakfast scene. So this is probably one of the most infamous scenes in horror. It's or maybe not horror, but sci-fi. It's been copied so much. It was freaking in Spaceballs. And <laughs> it was still uh, uh, still John Hurt, too. And he says, oh, no, not again. Uh, Spaceballs, highly overrated. That movie does not hold up. If you're going to watch a good Mel Brooks film, watch like Meaning of Life or, Li- uh, or um, Life of Brian. There's way better movies. And Holy Grail, too. Holy Grail is kind of overrated. I mean, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. But those two movies are way better, um, especially Meaning of Life. That movie's fantastic, especially at the end when the Grim Reaper comes and just basically tells them all off. I love it. I love it. So uh, uh, no one knew what was going to happen except for, you know, Cain was going to be murdered. Um, and so if you see Veronica Cartwright, you she when she gets blood on her, she legit falls and hits the back of her head, which was no good. And Yafet Kodo, uh, the guy who plays Parker, uh, he, he has a legitimate heart attack. And when you see him grab that weapon, he's about to use it. Uh, no one knew about this. All they knew is that he was going to die, and they weren't expecting the blood, and they weren't expecting that creature. In fact, here's the really coolest thing about this movie. All the actors did not know what the creature was even going to look like. Like, they hit it, you know, until last moments, which is really neat. And we barely get to see it either as, as the watcher. Now, there's only six crew members here, so there's only five deaths in this movie. But all of them, you it's all up to your imagination. It's all the foreplay of the mind. Because uh, you do not see like anyone by the farm, basically, except for one person, and that's that's Parker. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. It's Brett. Brett. You see Brett die um, when the alien comes behind him and uses his uh, mandibles to uh, puncture a hole in his head. But it's really quick. It's a split second. It's if you do, if you missed it, you missed it. And everything else is done in your head. So Parker, when he dies, it's it's in your imagination. When um, Veronica Cartwright's character gets, uh, let's just say, a tail in her nethers um, with a big hook on it, which couldn't have felt good. Um, You don't see it. You just see it kind of like going up her leg, which suggests that's where it's going. Dallas, you don't see what happens to him at all. You just see a jump scare of it going, ah. But if you watch the special edition version, you actually see him cocooned on the wall and he's like still got some life in him and he just says Ripley and it's really cool and creepy now they left it out of the film because I, th- I think it's hmm. my theory is is that they wanted to make something to lay the eggs so I, I think I don't know or hmm. maybe it's because they didn't want um they wanted to make sure everyone died in it. I, I don't know. But there is a scene where he's cocooned and Rip, uh, Ripley bumps into him. And uh, it is it is pretty cool. Uh, it's nothing like we see in the later films, but it is it is pretty neat. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. The budget was doubled after they saw Ridley Scott's storyboards. Um, so this was on a shoestring budget as it was, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't that expensive to make, um, because the cast was pretty much unheard of. Um, Ripley was only in one thing. Oh, and funny thing, uh, Ripley, or Ripley, Ridley Scott was, 
known f- only for one movie he did, and it was called Doolist. I've never seen it, but it's a swashbuckler movie, as the title would imply. And uh, at first they're like, we're not going to, the casting director was, uh, uh, you know, like, the studio was like, "Where? what do, what do you want to do with these guys? Like, the, I, no one knows these guys. And then um, the casting director goes, right, but we're making a space movie, and Star Wars had unknowns. So we, we want to copy that archetype, kind of, even though this movie and Star Wars have nothing alike. Oh, for instance, this one's good. 98% Rotten Tomatoes. I don't even know what to... In, in, in Zach Evergreen's Rotten Tomatoes, it would or Evergreen Tomatoes. Fried Green Tomatoes. Yeah, there we go. In my Fried Green Tomato score, I would put this at 99, just like The Terminator. Um, so yeah, uh, these storyboards were done very, very quickly. If I'm not mistaken, it was like three weeks. Um, and uh, uh, he handed them in. And they're like, oh, shit, this design is perfect. And then they uh, saw, like, some of Geiger's work, and they're like, all right, let's double the budget because we need to, uh, you know, we can't have these spaceships look like garbage. And, oh, yes, I forgot to, uh, I finished my thought, but all the spaceships and all the uh, the, the spacesuits and such were all designed by that gentleman who was working on the original Dune. Remember I said they all look like Lego? Uh, let's see what else. Oh, yeah, the... The crew was described as space truckers. And uh, Ripley, though, was, they had a male lead in order to play him, uh, well, Ripley, but uh, that changed at the last second when they saw how tall and um, gaunt, or not gaunt, what's the word? Just the way Sigourney Weaver holds herself and her bone structure. And I believe she's like five foot nine or five foot ten. She might even be taller than that, but I don't know. I didn't look up her her dimensions. Um, oh, when they're on the LV four two six, which they don't actually say the name of the planet, but uh, that's they call it later LV four two six, just like how they call they call they say how we say the company the company. It's later revealed to be Whalen Utani, uh, but it, it, this was you know very vague because. I don't know. Maybe they didn't think that they probably didn't think they were going to. Well, they didn't think they were going to make a sequel, seeing how Ridley Scott wanted to kill off uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley. So kind of makes sense. Uh, they had children in spacesuits to make the ship look bigger, which people on the set refer to as the croissant. And also to make it look like the 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 planet is more like hazardous because you know children are awkward they kind of fumble around especially when you put them in spacesuits so they wanted it to look like the gravel is more or gravel the uh their their terrain is more um you know hostile and just hard to navigate and maybe to change like the look of the gravity um so after they took out the star jockey and they put the eggs for the egg room scene believe it or not the who the rock band The Who let 20th Century uh, Fox borrow their fog machines and that laser used. Lasers were really expensive and kind of a new thing at the time. Because uh, remember, like this was 79. It's probably I think it was filmed in 78. And that scene where he goes, where Kane does that, um, I don't know exactly what that noise was, but a uh, pretty cool effect. Obviously, the lasers did not make that noise. Lasers do not make noise. That's why I hate it in movies where they have laser guns and go pew, 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 pew. It's like they probably wouldn't make that noise. Terminator is guilty of this. 
Because, you know, if you ever turn on a laser pointer, now I don't know, maybe if a laser fires a, a projectile that actually causes damage. Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm not into tech stuff. So let's see. Ah, again, in uh, the egg room, when Cain uh, makes contact with the eggs and you see it kind of flutter and a light goes underneath it, well, those are actually Ridley Scott's hands. And all this stuff in it that he's moving around was all uh, waste from butcher shops. So like intestines, um, a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of, of organs and stuff that they probably weren't going to to use unless they were making sh That's the proper pronunciation of a meat product that is wrapped in intestines that one does fry for their breakfast with their, you know, half dozen eggs and T-bone steaks and bacon. If you don't know about that YouTube clip, it's hilarious. Look up Jimmy Dean Sausage Guy. Um, I think Coke Logic does a uh, film of it. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Mm -mm -mm. The ship, it was decorated with a bunch of aircraft scrapped. Uh, so when you watch that movie, if you look at uh, how claustrophobic and, and but all the little ga gadgets and doodads on, on the ship, that's all real aircraft stuff that they just ripped out and carefully placed in key areas. Uh, and that's why it, it, the effects hold up today is because they're all practical. It's not like, you know, some movies where there's like egg cartons on the wall and they're spray painted or, you know, it's really cheesy. And uh, I'm looking at you. Twilight Zone. I, I love you, but I have to suspend my disbelief quite a bit when watching your uh, your episodes. But that's okay. That's what film is all about, right? That's why we're here. That's why we're talking. I mean, obviously, no one died in this movie, and there's no such thing as aliens. Oh, don't let Dan Aykroyd hear that. He's, he'll get mad at me. Um, what else do I got here? Oh, you know what? I think that's all my notes. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't try to quit smoking if you're watching this movie. Um, it is, uh, yeah, it's it, everyone smokes in the in the first sequence. Everyone smokes in the first sequence. Um, tell about. Tell about the time you see the uh, a face hugger. No, no, sorry. When you see like the, the breakfast scene um, with the chest buster. That's when people are like, okay, you know what? We shouldn't be smoking. But one would think they'd keep smoking because they're more stressed. But, uh, you know, that it is what it is. So anyway, that's uh, part one. This is the making of Alien. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, about three days. Um, we're going to actually sit down and watch the movie together, shall we? All right, well, uh, anyway, please remember to, if you would like to contact me, it's at knifepartypod at yahoo.com because I keep it old school. Again, my socials are just everything at Zach Evergreen. You could probably find me on anything. PlayStation Network, Twitter, um, Instagram. Yeah, that's, that's how you find me. And uh, keep sending in those requests because... All of these movies, all these classic ones I'm starting out with, I've seen them, obviously. I would like to see some stuff I've never seen before. I would like to legitimately jump out of my chair, and that's very hard to do. 
Um, but uh, yeah, would would really like to see some new stuff. Um, the more old school and campy can be better, but if you send me like a masterpiece, that would be awesome too. Um, I, it just got to really, you know, kind of grab me. I either got to love it or hate it. And uh, But if it's just, eh, I'm not going to, you know. Like, for instance, I'm never going to do Halloween 2 Seasons of the Witch. That movie just, eh, to me. I don't hate it and I don't love it. Silver Shamrock. Okay. Anyway, as I promised, I'll, I'll finally get off here. Uh, thank you for listening to The Knife Party. And remember, be kind. Rewind. <laughs>